Kia ora, hi my, and welcome to Pack Mentality, a New Zealand Malifaux podcast focused on competitive play for Weird's Malifaux 3rd edition. Today we are joined by your hosts, Mike, Brendan, and Hamish. Hi and welcome back guys to Pack Mentality. Today we've got a little side snippet for you. We're going to go over some faction upgrades for you. For those who don't know, these are plentiful 2, 2 stone generic upgrades that have 2 abilities, uh, that anyone can use and one that only minions can use. Today we're going to go over Rezzes and Guild. To start us off, Brandon. Alrighty, so Guild has obviously three. Uh, every faction does have three. Uh, we get no special gremlins and ghillie suits, so there's only three abilities on each one. Uh, I'll run through them in uh, alphabetical order. Uh, expert Marksman. <clears throat> Uh, plentiful too. No limitations on targeting or hiring. First two abilities, expert shot. This model's attack and actions ignore friendly fire. Uh, this model's gun actions gain the following trigger. Uh, on a tome for armor piercing, when resolving, damage from this action ignores armor. And if it is a minion, uh, it gains the following ability. Sharpshooter. This model's gun actions ignore cover and concealment. So when this is given to a stone user, for example, it can become quite potent where... Uh, troublesome armor, particularly if you're worried about things uh, at Master Declaration that you are not able to cover off, uh, which Guild is unfortunately not very good at. Um, Expert Marksman gives you a sort of a range of models that you can place this uh, upgrade on to give you a little bit of a hitch. Typically, we wouldn't expect to see it on anything that doesn't have a built-in suit or cannot produce suits uh, inherently itself. So you are at a bit of a loss uh, for some keywords, there are some exceptional hires for this, particularly with the most recent Petita nerfs, Monster Hunters specifically, and Pistoleras if you do deign to hire them. Uh, they carry this quite well. Uh, they get to add a suit of their own whenever they are making an attack action uh, when they win the six of Petita. So they, I have found that Monster Hunters actually carry this really, very well. They're minions, so they get the benefit of absolutely everything, and they just... They dance around combat like it's absolutely nothing. I am a reasonable enough fan of this, uh, even if it is just hiring it for the non-armor-piercing trigger. And I know that uh, Hexbows, the semi-new Witch Hunter Cavalier minions, they have a built-in tome on their range 12 gun, and they've got running gun, so they would benefit from getting automatic armor-piercing. Now, they already ignore concealing and friendly fire, so you're not getting your full value. But if you are struggling with armor piercing, having built-in armor piercing on running guns seems pretty interesting. Um, curious on your thoughts on on hex bows. I, I know at least some of the the scene like to bring a hex bow or two, and some of them may carry expert marksmen. What do you think about that? Uh, yeah, I'd actually definitely agree with that. They are pretty serviceable. At seven soul stones, I'm a little bit more worried about them because they are considerably more squishy. But they have the added benefit of adding blasts to a lot of their damage. So potentially with those built-in triggers, they they can essentially clear a large chunk of low health armored models, which is surprisingly versatile against a lot of the factional matchups that we worry terribly much about, like outcasts and arcanists, where uh, armor is kind of quite rife and, and sort of stapled to the front of most of the cards that you'll tend to see. Um, they are very, very strong overall. Uh, and I would tend to say the run and gun, along with a lot of the keyword abilities, sort of feeling like they gain focus pretty well. 
uh, means that you're often able to make the most out of these damage tracks when you are going toe-to-toe against sort of potentially plus one to two stones worth of models. So any of your nine cost enforcers and things like that, they really, really will excel against. The next is uh, probably the, the most egregious uh, thing in Guild, it's Leadline Coat. Uh, for those that don't know, um, top two abilities, armor plus one, reduce all damage suffered by this model by plus one, and laugh off. If this model would be moved during an enemy model's activation or from an enemy model's effect, it may choose not to. Uh, if it is a minion, it gains the following ability. Hunker down at the end of this model's activation. If it did not move during its activation, it gains shielded plus two. It, it is restricted living or undead, so it cannot be slapped on a contract. This is relevant for things like Hoffman's keyword, where 99% of everything is not living or undead. Uh, so you cannot slap a, uh, an extra layer of protection on, say, your Peacekeeper. Uh, one of the benefits of that could possibly be big chunky models with large health pools, hard to wound, and armor 3 are pretty hard to put down, especially when they then have access to a wide range of shielded within the faction. Leadline Coat, there's not a lot of sort of corner cases of things that you might be surprised to that that would hold a Leadline Coat very well, but there are a few exceptions that I think are worth highlighting. Uh, where a lot of people tend to, to see these are on Masters, when Assassinate is in the scheme pool, it is something that it, that is tried and true for just making sure that your Master is infinitely more protected than it was before it's like being able to stone for prevention every single attack that you take and is surprisingly versatile it also prevents kidnaps which is one of the easier ways of uh, establishing a two-point uh assassinate pick but uh, it, it matters a little bit less uh across the rest of the crew unless there is sort of a linchpin but for me in my experience the Model that actually holds a leadline coat the best that I think is very strong, and I haven't seen terribly large amounts is the guild mage, uh, guild mage, and potentially even guild lawyers that aren't often once they take their AP to get in the middle of the fight, they don't tend to be quite as sustainable as their counterparts or their their uh, their friends in battle. I, I tend to tend to suggest that a lot of people will play guild mages quite safe because if they die. It's a pretty significant soulstone investment for keeping everyone topped up and alive, and losing that can be quite punishing. I have found in a number of games, uh, obviously pre-nerf and post-nerf with the Guild Mage, that you tend to see more value putting a leadline coat on the Guild Mage than on, say, another random model. Would you tend to put this on things you're going to throw in, or do you just accept and that they're going to survive because I see it a lot on uh, executioners in the dashel keyword where they just suit up one and just be like go. Yes, I, I do think that there is a sort of ironic with certain keywords in guild that there are just models that if they show up without a leadline coat, you just kind of scratch your head, turn turn it sideways, and go huh. But there are definitely some models that, for me, I, I have always asked the question about why does this does this leadline coat belong here? I think one of our one of our Kiwi mates, Cackle, he is a big proponent of asking the question of why leadline coat. If it doesn't serve a purpose, it doesn't belong on the list. And I think that there are many options where potentially only having one. Or sometimes, and I mean this very, very sometimes, zero could be the correct call. But I think that given the way that 
the competitive scene has sort of melded itself. It, it tends to be reliable that you'll see one in a list. Especially in this GG, right, where you're playing Guard the Stash or Covert where you don't want your models to move. You, If you're playing these schemes, you always just play two, right? Yeah, generally speaking, if there's a model that you need to go have stand in a particular place and stay alive, Leadline Coat's pretty reasonable for that. There are some question marks about how balanced it is. It does provide, particularly in older GGs, some very, very negative play experiences where interaction just doesn't happen. I think coming from an opponent's perspective as well, uh, it stacks really well with some of the other defensive tech that Guild already has. And the, the two examples I think of of the horses. So you've got your lone marshal, I believe he's called, the guy with the long carbine riding around with a stat 7 gun. And then, of course, the pale rider. They both have great stats, but more importantly, they already have hard to wound. Hard to wound and armor together are a really difficult combination to deal with for a lot of opponents. And then laugh off again contributes to that no kidnappy today kind of playstyle or, or ability to deny that playstyle, I suppose. So from the opponent perspective, I think it just goes really well with some of the existing defensive tech um, to really make it quite difficult to deal with troublesome models that certainly from the the teal perspective we, we really struggle against that sort of thing yeah I, I can imagine that for a lot of game plans that usually would feel very viable oftentimes you run up against a guild opponent and you just go well ain't doing that today and, and it does just genuinely put a put a hamper on a lot of what you feel like you can declare um the i think the overarching theme of it is pretty much Expect, if you are playing against Guild, to see a Leadline Coat where it matters. But I think there are some surprising places that Guild players should consider putting their Leadline Coats that they currently don't. The Hunker Down ability, whilst seldomly used, is incredibly strong. Like Mike said, other defensive tech measures alongside armor can often be things that make or break games and I, I think that the shielded element we obviously have shielded relatively abundantly in guild through guild lawyers guild mages whatever it happens to be such that you should consider probably redirecting where your armor sits overall you heard it uh, here first folks wrap it before you tap it that's the one that'll make the final cut for sure <laughs> uh, the um <laughs> the last upgrade in the guild stable, Hamish, thank you so much, is uh, no prisoners. It is uh, plentiful too, obviously. No uh, hiring restriction on it. The models uh, gain the following ability. On the prowl, after this model kills an enemy model, it heals one and may push up to two inches in any direction. Right gear, this model reduces all damage suffered by hazardous terrain, shockwave, pulse, and blast effects by one to a minimum of zero. If this model is a minion, it gains the following ability. Catch them! Once per turn, after resolving a successful attack action, targeting an enemy model within 8 inches, this model may discard a card to choose another friendly model within 2 inches of itself. Place the, uh, the chosen model into base contact with the target. That's a lot of text. Basically, it is... If I can hit you with an attack, I'm going to yeet my peacekeeper at you. It's pretty fun. Um, so... Going from sort of top to bottom, um, where we will probably see this the most is actually where Leadline Coat is the worst, and that is uh, Charles Hoffman's crew. Anything that cannot carry a Leadline Coat tends to be absolutely fantastic with no prisoners. Notably, the one that I enjoy the most is Melissa Kaur. Uh She 
comes out of keyword a lot more often than she comes in keyword for me. But she holds no prisoners like an absolute champ. She is such a fantastic model. She is so difficult to pin down because of the bonus action uh, transfer power where she can remove a power token from herself, put it on a friendly model, and push that model two inches. Uh, Newsflash, you can target yourself with that tactical action, and it is a fantastic, basically free two-inch push, uh, which she uses often to disengage from her opponents. Adding on heals on top of her armor uh, is so, so valuable, and a two-inch push to just really push the boundaries of how quick this model can be with her run-and-gun gatling gun is truly fantastic. Obviously, one of the ways that you can arm an armored crew like Charles Hoffman is through ignoring armor. We're not going to talk too much about that because there's ways now in the crew to stop that from happening. But the other ways are death by a thousand needles, where if you can proc enough hazardous pings or individual increments of damage, often against something like a Peacekeeper or Melissa, a min three attack is about as good as a hazardous ping for one. And so No Prisoners gives you that option to simply ignore a lot of what's going on. You you don't care about a lot of shockwaves. You don't care about any hazardous terrain. It is truly lead-line coat for models with lead-line coats. It's, it's really, really nuts. Um, the only other thing, and this is where the edge cases come in, that I have had a reasonable amount of success with, is uh, playing hot potato with your slow, dirtily models. Uh, the minion-only ability is quietly fantastic in a number of crews for a couple of reasons. Mostly you will see attached to a guild lawyer where obeying an enemy model or obeying something else that has no prisoners seems really, really strong. Uh, it It's quietly quite good. Uh, for all intents and purposes, guild has a lot of very fast models that can hit hard with focus, but something like a peacekeeper, which has its gross min three, uh, two-inch reach attack, but it is so horrifically slow, can benefit so, so much from just a gentle yeeting across the board. Uh, for for what it is worth, there are a number of random eight-inch attacks in guild, like the guild mage, who happens to have an eight-inch eight ancient words, which is surprisingly very good at yeeting a peacekeeper in. You're talking a lot about the guild mage for someone who labeled it as their most overrated model so it definitely still is i will die on this hill uh and you will die defending his honor as well by the sound yes it it will look it it is a good model i just don't think it's as taken as it necessarily is or could be but i digress uh there are like i said a slew of eight inch attacks that are surprisingly highly statted for very particular occasions where you may want a slow move for beta to just be in their face. There are a lot of discard synergies already in guild, so discarding a couple of cards, particularly when you have the ability to often pick up a few weeks here and there, seems like free money, more or less. And with that, we'll transfer on to my generic upgrades, the Rizza upgrades. So from the top, we have the Grave Spirit's Touch, or as we'll probably hear us calling it, the GST, Killer Instinct, and the Whisper. So from the top, Grave Spirit's Touch, 
has regeneration, it has blasphemous ritual, and the minion only ability is terrifying. It sees a lot of play on stuff you just want to see topped up. Like so it sees a lot of play in Jackdaw on Jackdaw One himself, on the hanged, on Yanlo with Kamainu that <laughs> you were tagging along Yanlo with the they hold that very well, or uh, anything you want to give a free blasphemous ritual to, or stuff with armor where you're just like, oh, you've taken two damage. Well, he's just going to top that back up. So, for those who don't know, blasphemous ritual is a remove target corpse marker. Friendly models within three of this model gain focus one. This is Rez's best way to pulse out focus easily. It does take a corpse, but when you have so much stuff like a versatile grave digger or restless spirit or even mindless zombies that you can take or my underrated pick, the corpse curator, it is very easy to set this up. You start your bubble with this and you just are happy that everyone has focus one and you just go from there. Dominion only ability. So if a model is a minion with terrifying, it gets plus one to the terrifying. So this is very noticeable on Hang to have Terra 12 already. So they go up to a Terra 13. So it can be quite nasty to attack them with anything that doesn't have Ruthless. So you'll often see in the Jackdaw Cruise two Hanged with a GSTH. So, but otherwise it gives Terrifying, which is fantastic in something like Seamus, who already has a lot of Terrifying. So you can overload the terrifying with that. Just a thought there on uh, Hanged wearing double GST in a, in a Jackdaw crew. We've already mentioned we think Jackdaw 1 often wants to ha hold this as well. Um, let's say you like playing Jackdaw 1 and you want to hire two Hanged. You've only got two copies of these. These are plentiful too. How are you dividing them up amongst those three models, which all sound like they really want to hold one? It depends on how you want to play. I know a couple of people just put the Whisper on Jackdaw and just from a range bombard people, and then just like throw the hanged forward. Or if you are a braver person than I, you can just run one hanged and then fill out the crew how you want. Or just have a naked hanged. They're still good. You just use it as a backup one, and you just like, oh, hope it's good. But yeah, I it, dep it really does depend on what you think you're facing. If you think you're going to face a lot of ruthless, I'd just run one hanged with a GST and Jackdaw with a GST because you'd rather have the GST, uh, the regen on Jackdaw because if they're getting through him, they're going to deal a one damage apiece. That's by the by. It, it, it depends on how you want to play and how you want to go about the crew. So moving on to Rez's probably least played upgrade, the Killer Instinct. So it has Loot Their Corpses which is, at the end of this model's activation enemy, remove a corpse marker within two to add a soulstone to its crew's soulstone pool. It has Ruthless, which is great. Uh, model ignores terrifying and manipulative ability, and if it's a minion, it gets Deadly Pursuit. So I often see this upgrade on Gravediggers, which drop a corpse uh, on a bonus on their activation. So you go walk, walk, Drop a corpse, push towards it, end your turn, loot said corpse for a soulstone, and off you go on your merry way. So it is fairly efficient, and if they don't immediately kill it, 
it can generate you a lot of value through just existing. And then it's a minion, so it just like passes off. I see this on stuff against Seamus, uh, against stuff with the high terrifying checks where you just don't want to, uh, Pandora, for example, where you just don't want to take the terrifying checks where uh, I have played this on, say, Valedictorian, who does have a high willpower, but I just need her to consistently hit stuff where I'm taking four attack checks in a turn, and I just don't want to bother with, do I flip a five or six this time? Um, so it does smooth out that way, but often you just want the Whisper on here or just throw her in and just hope that it's good. Um, unfortunately, this fights for a lot of space with Whisper, with the GST, because it is the least useful. It doesn't have an immediate effect, basically. So if there's nothing with Terrifying, the Ruthless is useless. And if you have no way to generate the corpses, the, the loot the corpses is useless. Sounds like the anti-manipulative tech is not particularly interesting, and I suppose part of that is due to GST already giving you the focus, which is good enough most of the time to get through manipulative anyway. So this and really often does... better, yeah. Yeah, and often better. It definitely does seem to me like this is either a, I put this on my, my grave digger and have fun. Over two turns, it's paid for itself. Three or more turns, and it's given me a surplus. Or if you suspect those terrifying crews are coming, then this is a, a tool in your arsenal to bring in against them. Yeah, and the, the Deadly Pursuit is very useful. But on a minion only, those the minions in Rezzes tend to be a little bit squishy outside of certain keywords like Transmodus, for example. But they often just have no stones to spare for this. So it it's a little bit, I guess, redundant. I do like that the Gravedigger himself, we've already mentioned, also has Field of Corpses. Now... In the unlikely event it's still alive come turn five, because it should have a high priority on it. But if it is, um, it treats all corpses within six as if they're friendly ski markers. That combos quite nicely with Deadly Pursuit, where you can keep them, I wouldn't say out of harm's way, but far away enough that it's annoying to deal with. And then right at the end of the game, push him four inches. Now he's got a six inch aura of all those corpses as ski markers. Suddenly leave your mark is scored from out of nowhere. Um, just for one little bit of maybe this will happen if your opponent doesn't kill him. I have seen that ability once and cackled at it. <laughs> and his opponent was losing his absolute mind. It was great. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to suggest that I've been on the receiving end of that cackle uh, killer instinct combo before. I've definitely... Uh, I can see the merit behind sort of the the tension between all three abilities on this upgrade. It, it feels like the Ruthless wants to be stuck on something that is really, really interested in getting stuck in and, and thromping something, but really uh, Deadly Pursuit as well, so you, you get that sort of really efficient AP usage. Um, I, I suppose one could ask the question, Hamish, um, is the most efficient way of giving yourself corpses to add soulstones soul to your soulstone pool, uh, not simply just run it down and murder your opponent yeah but also with whisper which we'll get to next being the next upgrade you often would rather stack your deck than have a chance at an extra soulstone because a lot of the time um for example if you're fighting something that is yurami which are all ghosts right like 
that's never going to happen if you just run it down. Or, uh, as I mentioned again, Jackdaw, the uh, the more robot crews, the the Hoffmans, the that that uh, the Oni, for example, that don't leave anything on demise. So there are a lot of crews that just will not drop corpses on death. So you have to be wanting the ruthless more than you want the loot the corpses. But if you want the loot the corpses, you kind of have to bring your own bodies, which is part of the Dirtle engine, which way uh, you see it a lot more in McMorning, who just has a surplus of them when he when he starts like, oh, you removed it? Well, it's I'm just going to drop it again. Or I get a card as well. So it becomes very efficient in that crew on the McMorning to reduce, 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 reuse, recycle sort of plan. But otherwise, it's kind of like, do, do they drop corpses? It's like, yes or no. So, And with that, we'll move on to The Whisper, the most overused and probably for fair game uh, upgrade in res- Resurrectionist. So... This has intuition at the start of this model's activation and may look at the top three cards of its fate deck, then return them in any order. It has research specimens. After this model kills an enemy model, this model may draw a card. If this model is a minion, it gains the following ability, stubborn. Enemy attack actions that are resisted by willpower suffer a negative when uh, targeting this model. So this is the... Load your crew up, stick it to your master, build from there, upgrade. The only master I've ever not using this, uh, used this on was like Yan Lo, who had an ability to look at the top five cards of his library anyway. This just hits all your TNs for your masters, just smooths out what you want to do, and makes things like Seamus, who have very high TNs and want to do their, their big one action, very smooth and just help out a lot where you're just like look at the top three you're like okay put the uh, seven for secret passage on then the uh, 13 and then it doesn't matter uh, underneath that unless you've got the black and in which case Seamus is often sad but um, he often will refresh that card anyway I like this a lot Uh, it's something I've been trying to use less and less because I find I tend to crutch on it and just stick it on my two big beaters and just say go. Um, I see it a lot in, when I play Von Stuck where I'm like, all right, Stuck with Whisper, Fail with Whisper, fill out the crew on Reva, for example. It goes on Vince. I put it on Vincent a lot. I know me and Cackle have had this discussion where he doesn't, but I, uh, I find that just loading up the guy that I want to shoot continuously with is a lot of fun. I have put this on a minion once and it was a hanged, and my opponent was like, wait. Is that a whisper? And I was like, haha, got you. <laughs> but it only happened once because I was like, ah, he does willpower attacks. That'll be fine. And he's like, wait a minute. <laughs> so there was the one time that I used it on a, a minion, to be honest with you. I suppose it sounds like intuition specifically is an exceptionally strong ability. I, I understand that as well with coming from the Perdita perspective, where intuition at a master level is quietly quite absurd. Um, do you feel like it is, obviously, uh, other than on sort of that smoothing your draw functions, are there are there specific corner cases where Whisper may not end up on a, on a master or a beta 
and instead on on something that is part of sort of a greater level engine uh, instead. Any summoner that you want to summon effectively. So uh, what's the Molly's one? Forgotten Marshal. So anything that requires a suit to do something, I will often stick it on them. I used to put this on uh, Toshiro a lot to try hit the when his TN was lower for his summon an Ashigaru. So it smoothed out the summons a lot. It didn't help that uh, the main summoner I used was Karai, where it's just like, ah, oh, master anyway, and just like, look for the crows. So it, it, it does depend. We do put this on the summoners. Are there any crews which do not take two of these? It depends on what you're doing for space. I will often just put one on my master and, that's all I really require. So, for example, Castor, where I'm like running at four or five stallstones with Whisper on Castor, and then his all of his henchmen. And sometimes I'm like, oh, maybe I just put this on like uh, Barbaros, for example, because he needs an at least an eight on his bring it. But you often just don't have the space, and the two stones will often do better for you. Uh, but then you get into the case of like, I've got one whisper, two GST, uh, which is often what I find I run. Um, going back to the caster analogy, the urn bearers, I find I like to put GST on because of the way that the regen works in the crew. It just does more for the crew than the whisper would. Whereas like, ah, faith in flesh, it triggers now and then we can go off. Or uh, you want to keep your stuff alive a little bit more. So, for example, in Yanlo, when I used to play Yanlo 2 pre-nerf, you just put a GST on one of the dogs, and that dog ran Yanlo around until it died. And it, the dog had regen 2, armor 2, and uh, Yanlo backing it up. So it was very difficult to put down. Makes sense to me. I think that checks out. I suppose the other question, Mark Hamish, is uh, are there any inclinations at the moment we we sort of spoke about it with the guild upgrades but are there any current gaining grounds hedges about any upgrades within resurrections that feel particularly good or particularly bad in this current gaining grounds packet gst has gone up in value i think a lot because you're trying to stay on a point where that regen two will often be the difference between life and death plus if you're a minion so uh, in Seamus, the Doxies carry this very well, where they just turn into disguised, terrifying in a uh, in a crew with uh, Scarlet Temptation. For those who don't know, Scarlet Temptation is within one of this model. Uh, you suffer a negative to ter- uh, willpower checks by other models. So anything, if you've got two of them next to each other, both with terrifying with Scarlet Temptation. This is what I did to Steven, by the way. Um, he was like, attack this one. I'm like, Scarlet Temptation. He's like, the other one? I'm like, also Scarlet Temptation. And he's like, I have to hit a six on a negative. And I'm like, you got it, Chief. And it made him very upset. So that's sort of like, and he also was like, I can't kill it. I'm like, well, it's just going to regen when I activate. So then it becomes a more annoying piece where it's just like, I've put all this work into passing the terror checks and then the hard to wound on it, where it's just like, it has eight health. Oh, you got it down to three? It'll activate. Go back up to five and then continue on its way. 
where that sort of minor attrition helps you a lot. Yeah, that seems pretty fair. I, I wonder I wonder if there's any any anything in upcoming GGs that would potentially change your mind. I, I know we're at the moment talking about going and standing in a single place. I can't imagine that Deadly Pursuit feels okay in something like Covert Ops potentially, but uh, I wonder if there's a potential for us to see a little bit more of the upgrade when it comes to future uh, versions of the packet. Yeah, I'm not sure. It's Unfortunately, the Rizzle ones feel not stale, but pretty fixed in what you want to do. There isn't like a lot of edge cases where you're like, oh, I'm surprised by this. You're like, oh, yeah, sure. Like, that seems reasonable or like, well, that makes that slightly more annoying or like, oh, yeah, that just is what you were going to do. All right, that's the end of the Rezzes faction upgrades. Next time we will cover Explorers and Arcanists. Join us then. Thanks. Composure, people. We're professionals. Okay. Now you have to cut this out, you fuckwit. It's like you, he means me. <laughs> <laughs>